Gordon. All right. Uh, this is probably the last one we do for this school year. We're on Chapter 5 here. Uh, the name of this channel is Use the Most Powerful Four-Letter Word. Do you want to give away the ending now and tell what the four-letter word is? Do you want to hold it in suspense? No, I think we keep them in suspense. We, we need to... We need as much suspense as we can in this, so I say we hold on to the end. Well, it's going to be kind of difficult. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a short chapter. Oh. I'll, uh, I'll start because I, I think this is something that what's discussed in this chapter is something that I've tried to work on probably the last, I don't know, four to six years, um, and I feel... Um, Basically, it's just talking about the importance of caring uh, for pe- for the people that you work with, and um, also, you know, just developing relationships and connections with people. Um, sometimes that is difficult, depending on the type of decision you have to make. And there are going to be people in your organization when you um, make the right decision or you make a difficult decision, you, you're going to have some resistance from people, and there's going to be people who are going to be upset with your. Um, judgment and your decisions. I feel like this is something you and I have had some discussions around as well. Um, but it's not something I think that I was focused on when I got into leadership, specifically school leadership, um, which now I'm getting ready to finish my, I think, 11th year as a school administrator. One year as an assistant principal, 10 as a principal. And I think um, this is an aspect that I kind of missed early on in my career and have really tried to focus on this recently. Going back to my coaching days, this would be something that I made pretty adamant when I became a head coach. That I, I, even as a assistant coach, I made sure that I used this word because it, um, it was something that some people thought maybe was uncomfortable, um, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. I felt like it was important that it wasn't something that was just shied away from because I think it conveyed a certain certain type of <sighs> feelings and beliefs towards kids that I felt was important. So um, it's something that I bought, I bought into before reading this book um, to make sure to use that with the kids that I was around. So I definitely feel like it. And then not, not just use the word, but actually convey that I felt that way. And so it's, it's important that uh, what's talked about in this chapter is utilized. Not, I mean, I don't really use it outside of. Co- I never use it really outside of coaching. So that was just kind of the atmosphere, the platform I used to use, uh, use this word. Well, and I think he has a section in here that throws out a little bit of a cliche or something that I think gets used quite a bit. Like nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And so I think again, it's just important. Um, you know, especially when you're in a situation where you have to make some difficult decisions and and you have to hold someone accountable. It's I just think it's critical. I, I have found it um, to be much more accountability to be much more effective if someone knows that I that I do care about them and I'm invested in in them and and trying to do what I feel like is in the best interest of them and and that I'm holding them accountable to make them better and to grow, not in that punitive aspect of things. I like the section that talks about team members won't always like me. Um, kind of brings up a lot of things that have come up in the past. I know when I was younger and going through student teaching, one of the things we talked about as a cohort of student teachers about there was a question that was posed, um, interview question that was posed online, 
And the question basically is, would you rather be liked or would you rather be respected? Mm-hmm. And this it, it's a little disconnected from this chapter a little bit, but it's just kind of that's what's burned in my head a little bit. And according to the educational people in that area, they preferred the answer like over respected. Hmm. Um, it's something I kind of disagreed with in general. And mm-hmm. um, as I read this a little bit, it kind of made me feel not everyone's going to like me or like the things that I do or like the, the decisions I have to make. Um, and I know that going into any sort of leadership role that that's going to happen. I can't. I, I, I'm not going to be able to make everyone happy. But what makes it makes me understand why it's not the worst thing in the world is thinking about why, what are the reasons that people don't like my decisions or don't like me maybe in general and if those reasons are more based on are not based on me being deceitful or me being dishonest or me being a slime ball I mean I know it sounds weird but I always try and be very transparent open and honest about things and if people just disagree with those decisions and I think that's okay Um, as long as again I'm communicating um, being upfront about why I'm doing what I'm doing, and um, people still may disagree. I, it is the nature of the beast, but I guess I got I kind of go through those different lenses uh, for me to figure out why it's okay maybe to be in that atmosphere. He makes a lot of connections between leadership and parenting in here, um, basically talking about how you know at times you're you're not going to like things, and my kids are obviously at the age where they do plenty of things that I don't like and frustrate me and um, maybe things that I don't even approve of. Um, But again, he, you know, I think it's important that they know that I love and care about them and that I'm, that I'm holding them accountable to, to help them grow and to help them be better um, people in general as in the parenting role. And so, yeah, I think that's important. The, the caring piece, it is hard to care sometimes for people, especially people who, you know, don't at least come off like they don't want to be cared for and they push you away and they try to do everything possible at times um, to um, discourage you from caring about them. And so, but I do think at the end of the day, um, one of my core values of leadership is just trying to connect with people, um, let them know that I care, let them know that I'm trying to help them get better and trying to grow um, establishing some of those connections first and then taking that step of accountability. I think early on in my career um, as a principal, um, I held some. I tried to hold some people accountable that I didn't have a very um, strong connection with or any connection at all, and I, and I just didn't have a lot of success there. It, it definitely came off a little more punitive and slap-on-the-wrist approach than, hey, you know what, I've got to do this because it's the right thing to do. It's the right decision to make. And at the end of the day, me holding you accountable is going to help you grow. So, um, again, I, I think this is something that's, a, that's hard for leaders in general. And it's something that, while I feel like I've gotten better in recent years, it's something that I still keep kind of at the forefront right now. I guess I've been burned both ways. Uh, help people accountable, and it does, and people get mad and take it out on you. But I've also tried to have leniency in other situations, and people take it take advantage of the situation there and continue to do the same thing so it's every situation is different um that's what makes being a principal or being a coach or being an ad or whatever that's what makes it difficult is there's no right way or wrong way of doing something Mm -hmm. um 
the thing that I've kind of learned th- throughout is is it's not just the one act of giving someone grace or make or holding them accountable. It's the next steps after that. Like, what's the plan moving forward with? How can we better mend a relationship? How can we move forward to improve with maybe the mistake that was made? So that's always been something I've thought about. Okay, in the moment, this is kind of the plan here, but then moving forward, how do you and I work together? Um, here is the mistake you made. How can you overcome that so it doesn't happen again? Uh, that's always kind of the approach that I've kind of learned through uh, that experience. And I think along with that, you know, he has a section here talking about um, firm and flexible. Yeah. Um, when to be firm, when to be flexible. Um, I think that's difficult. I do. I, that's something I do struggle with sometimes. I feel like um, maybe because I do care about people and I do want what's best for them and I want them to grow and improve, um, maybe sometimes I'm too flexible. Um, but on the other side of that coin, I feel like there's times where maybe I've come off too firm. Um, and so I think that's kind of an internal struggle as a leader that you have as, and he talked about that in here, like, um, and again, he, he connects that to being a parent, you know, you you love your kid, you want what's best for your kid. Um, but you also know what's right for your kid. And, And so how, where is that balance between firm and, and flexible? Um, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts about that? Like what, like what comes to mind? Like when are, you know, do you feel like there's clear cut examples of when you should be firm and when you should be flexible or? Yeah. I think the biggest thing I've learned with that is be firm. Um, communication about when you're going to be firm before you have to be firm. Um, I know we work with my coaches a little bit. We've kind of come up with as a team, our six standards of coaching, um, we talk about communication, being organized, uh, developing positive culture, evaluating the talent around you, working hard, um, and those and those are kind of what we set up. And so, as a team, we came together and agreed like this is what we want to hold each other account. That's not how we phrase it. This is what we believe is what it takes to be a successful coach. There's more to it than that. We've all agreed that, but at least we can start with this as our foundation. And so, if I'm upfront and honest with my coaches about this is again what we expect, not me. And if I see situations where I feel like this is not being happened, that's when I can be firm. But the foundation of we're all on the same page, we agree that this is what we believe in, that doesn't make it necessarily easier to be held, hold people accountable, but at least there's no shock factor of, well, I didn't know I couldn't do this. That's always... Clear expectations. Yeah, having those clear expectations is yeah. usually where I would start. Um, and the more people I can get a voice from and feel like they've all come together and believe that those and buy into those expectations that definitely makes things less confrontational i don't say it's not easier i don't say easier as ever but it's less confrontational because they they knew ahead of time that this is kind of this is where we are this is what we believe in mm-hmm. as is important to us mm-hmm. so when it's not now being flexible i mean I, even what does that mean to be flexible does that mean one person gets a, gets away with something, another one doesn't? I don't think that's what we're talking about. But I think it's yeah, I think it's just knowing when to. I guess I look at it. I don't know, right or wrong. I look at it as knowing when to show someone some grace and to let something go. I mean, that, I know that sounds um, contradictory to holding someone accountable, um, but I think there are times where people deserve some grace. Um, people deserve the opportunity to 
make a mistake. I kind of, I think I kind of liken it maybe to making mistakes. Like there are times where I think people need, you know, they take a risk or they try something new or try something different or they're in a different situation than what they've been in and they make some mistakes. It's, I think flexibility to me is, is allowing them to make those mistakes without, you know, um, a firm hammer coming over the top. But again, I think if you've been up front with your expectations, you've been clear about it, and and sometimes you know you may be flexible on an issue, and then that the issue continues to occur, I think then the flexibility kind of moves to the side a little bit in those circumstances. Yeah, there's a pattern. I think that's when flexibility. That's when you need to become a little more firm when when patterns develop that aren't meeting your expectations. For me, I think flexibility more goes. What's my initial judgment or? Yeah, what's my initial judgment when I hear something that's a mistake or something that's a concern? My flexibility is taking what my initial feelings and thoughts are and allowing someone the the potential to at least talk through like this is what this is why something happened, this is what I was thinking. That's when my flexibility comes in is okay, I'm gonna still listen and hear your side of it before maybe presenting what my thoughts and feelings are. And so it allows me to be able to adjust, okay. Just hearing it without Understanding their side of things. This is my first thoughts, but now maybe I can change my and better, better understanding once I listen to someone else talk about it. So that's me being flexible. And I liked, you know, I think in the summary, I'm a big fan of the summary at the end of the <laughs> chapter, obviously. He talked about recognizing the difference between rules that can be waived occasionally, you know, things that maybe you can grant a little bit more flexibility versus things that go against the core of your philosophy. And so things that are kind of your core values. And so that's kind of how he distinguished um, between those two. Um, and I think that made a lot of sense to me when I read that piece. That was things interesting. If you're going to be flexible on the rules, this is where I like to bend the rules a little bit. Like if we're being flexible on what's the point of the rule? I, that's, mm-hmm. that's where I go, okay, what is the point? What is the purpose of this rule? Is it... Just well, I think you're still holding people to that, but I think on mm-hmm. occasions, given a certain circumstance or again a mistake, I think you know that he was. I think in in here he talked a little bit about um, his dress code. Basically, was something that um, he was very firm on. You know, I mean, he had a specific yeah. dress code. He he uh, said in in a lot in the core part of his dynasty it was during the hippie years and so the dress code and hair length and some of those things that he i know he required his players to be neatly trimmed neatly groomed neatly dressed that was something he was not going to be flexible on but he also required he also had some dietary uh rules or guidelines put into place that occasionally he would waive Um, i know bill walton was a vegetarian I remember reading something about this back in the day, but I know Bill Walton's a vegetarian, and one of Wooden's requirements for their diet was that they eat meat. You know, meat was was a part of all their meals, and so knowing that Bill Walton was likely the the center of of a big run that he had of championships, he kind of waived that guideline or rule and allowed him to stick with whatever diet Bill Walton was going with. Bill Walton also pushed the dress code. Which I remember reading. I I just read something several years ago about that Bill Walton wrote, and Wooden would not back away from the dress code for Bill Walton. So I think you know the, the that makes sense to me, um, but it's hard. 
and, and it can get gray and it can get blurry um, in a hurry. I think something like the dress code, that's something that can it's come up in other areas. What's the purpose behind it? If yeah. It, I guess I'd be curious to know what value does having a dress code have. Um, yeah. Nothing. I'm not saying I agree or disagree yeah. with it, but if if it's communicated and the players. Yeah. Well, I think he. I think that was part of their. You know, he had his players sign agreements yeah. to, to play there, and I know that was. I remember. I think even earlier in this book, yeah. uh, that was part of the agreement. You know, you're going to dress a certain way, and that's the way we're going to. And again, I think that was a, a different time frame as well. I think something else that really jumps out that was kind of uh, convicting or humbling for me is seeking out opportunities to show you care. Um, this is an area where I struggle because I, I am a big fan of authentic praise. Um, I don't like to give a pat on the back that I don't feel like is deserved um, just for the sake of getting a, giving a pat on the back. The problem with sometimes with that philosophy is I don't think I do a very good job sometimes of recognizing individuals. Like, for example, here in our teaching staff, um, I know there's plenty of people in our building that are doing some really great things, and I think sometimes I am not quick to give them a, a compliment or, or praise them or... You know, we we do the Addo Awards at staff meetings, and and I've and I've certainly nominated a few people for that, or I've put some people yeah. down that I think need that. But um, I don't want to become, I don't want to water down the praise and water down the compliments where they don't have meaning and they're not authentic. Yet I feel like because of that mindset that I have, I'm I'm not very good at recognizing people and and calling out some things that I think they're doing well. And I give praise to a little different ways. Um, I think the number one thing that I can always give someone is my time. So whether that means giving up their time to listen to them and maybe a concern or even just a general conversation. That's that's me giving up my time to them because I know that's that's one of the most valuable assets that every human has. Um, other things as far as like for kids and other adults is to show up to different things. I know right now we're in the middle of graduation season and going to different graduation parties. like. Partly they want the cash, but, I mean, yeah. I think it shows an appreciation for the kids and the parents and everyone that, um, even though I may not have these kids a ton right now, I'm just showing up and saying to them, hey, I enjoyed you in the school this year, and I really appreciate that, and um, just give me up of the time to go and do those things. That's a that's one thing that I've always believed in is giving up my time is my way of showing appreciation. So um, you dropped the word once, but... The, the four-letter word was love. Um, again, not afraid to use it. Um, I feel like it's got a lot of value to it, and it, uh, it's something that I, as a, as a coach, I really used. I don't use it as much in my current profession. Not yet. <laughs> I don't know if I ever will. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm, you know, it's just one of those things that, yeah, when I was a coach, I used it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think sometimes it's a, synonym for care too so I mean I think care and love go hand in hand and I may not be quick to, to tell people that I love them necessarily not really my personality but I, I think I do try to show people that I care and hopefully those two are uh, kind of work hand in hand so as Tyler mentioned uh, we're going to take a break here in the summer um, I think we are going to come back in the fall uh, I don't know if we'll stick with the book or if we'll go a different direction and um, maybe try to get one started up in August, maybe previewing the start to the school year and 
uh, try to talk about some some things that are going to be happening here at Mid Prairie. And uh, we've had several suggestions from our huge listening audience of however many people, 55 or whatever. Tyler's looking at and see where they are. Tyler's going to look up some stats. But we've had a cute few suggestions about bringing on guests and um, maybe getting students involved. And so, yeah, that may be something we do in August as well as kind of preview some things coming up here at Mid Prairie and talk about a few uh, things that we're going to be rolling out next year that might be different um, and try to get some other staff and and students and maybe even some community members involved as well. So. Well, yeah. it's estimating our audience size is 32 people. Okay. So I'm guessing that means, ooh, last one was only six. Yeah, so. We're on a downward trend right now. Yeah. So hopefully maybe over the summer with a little bit of a break, we'll uh, – We'll uh, come out of the gate a little stronger in August. And maybe if we start talking about some things happening here at Mid Prairie and try to connect. uh, Know your audience. Know your audience, yeah. Try to connect a little better with our audience. Uh, Hopefully that'll help. 